If you would, uh, let's go to our Bibles together this morning. Uh, Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 5 and 6 this morning. Probably familiar familiar verses to most of you. Excuse me. Of course, Solomon... David's son wrote the book of Proverbs, as well as some other sections of the Bible. If you remember in 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon is the new king, and Solomon goes to the Lord in prayer, and God says to Solomon, ask what I shall give you. What do you want, Solomon? Ask it. And you'll have it. And what Solomon asks for, instead of ease and money and the things that you would think someone would ask for, he asks for discernment and for an understanding heart to govern the people. 1 Kings chapter 3. And God's answer to his prayer was this. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall any like you arise after you. And Solomon puts down this wisdom here in the Proverbs. And of course, the Proverbs is a book about more how to direct our daily life after we become a believer, after we come to faith in Christ, to help us in our walk with God in a very practical way. And so we want to look at Verses 5 and 6 here together of chapter 3. Just remember now that when we read God's word, it is an act of worship in and of itself because it is his holy, inspired, inerrant, and infallible truth. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come again to your word, we we pray for assistance. We don't pray for assistance in a casual or a check-the-box kind of way. No, we need it. The preacher needs help in the delivering the message, which I asked for, and the All of us need help in hearing what your voice would say to us. And Lord, would you help us this morning? Would you cause us to be a time that is profitable for us? When we walk out the door this morning, that that we will have been affected by your Holy Spirit working through your word. That we would be affected by it in however the way that you want us to be affected by it. And uh, Lord, that we would be sanctified. Uh, more than when we came in the door. Would you do this? Would you help us for your glory and for the welfare of the people that you died for and rose again for? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm a a sales engineer. I I travel a lot. I cover three states, almost three states, in my job, and so I'm behind the wheel a lot. Uh, a number of years ago, I was headed to uh, 
Western Carolina University over in western, west of Asheville. And <clears throat> this was before GPSs when I used backroads maps. I still do, by the way. I have all my, I have all my backroads maps in my car. People make fun of me. It's okay. I still use maps because when you get in the mountains, you don't always have a cell signal. So you still use maps. But I remember uh, looking at the map and looking about how to get, the best way to get to Silva, North Carolina, Cullowee, where Western Carolina University is. And, and I remember the, the, there's, of course, the, 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 the way that you should go, uh, which is a kind of a roundabout way if you look at the map. You have to actually go all the way around through Silva and then back all the way through a little town called Cullowee to get to the university. But I looked at the map and I, I saw this cut-through road going over the mountain on my back roads map. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to try that road because it, it looks like it's a lot more direct and I might just save some time. So I took, the, I took this road, and it was an asphalt road, and it went up the mountain, and, and it, the asphalt turned to gravel, and then there were becoming fewer and fewer houses. The gravel turned to dirt, <clears throat> fewer houses. Might have been one or two there. And then the dirt ran out, <laughs> and it turned to potholes. And I was in a Ford Taurus, wasn't in a truck or anything. <clears throat> so I was literally straddling the potholes, which were big, thinking, if I can just get to the bottom of this hill, there's going to be an another road that picks up, and I'm gonna, it's going to be a good road. Eventually, I got to a, a creek that had a bank on it that was just, there was just no way. Even if I'd have had a four-wheel drive truck, I don't even know if I could have made it. And so there was no place to turn around. I had to literally back the car all the way out of there, straddling the potholes, getting out of the car at times to make sure I wasn't going to put a tire in one of these holes because I wasn't even getting out if I'd have gotten one of the holes. And so the short of it is I was at, I was at least an hour for my, late for my appointment at the university there and uh, had a mad customer. <laughs> and my shortcut cost me a lot of time, a lot of energy, and it cost me some favor with that customer as well. It could have cost me a lot more, but it didn't. You know, we all have these stories to tell, don't we? Maybe uh, your most recent detour wasn't in a car. You know, maybe it was dealing with another person or, or dealing with uh, your job or, or with your family. And we're we're prone to these we're prone to these detours at, at times, because when we think about the way we understand how things ought to go, to be the right way, <clears throat> and how what the way we think is best, the way we want to do it in our own wisdom, we can find ourselves going down these detours, right? These sometimes dead-end roads that cause us pain. And, of course, if, you, if we look back in the very beginning of the Bible, Adam and Eve, they wanted to do it their own way, right? They wanted to do it their own way. 
They wanted to take their own detour, and we know what happened. Sin came into the world, and we have been infected by that ever since. So we have a natural ability, a natural leaning, rather, to want to, to want to live life our own way and do things our own way, which is often the way to detours and to pain. And the question is, is how do we minimize the detours of this life that are painful so often? How do we do that? How do we minimize those detours? Maybe to ask it in a positive way, how do we find true success in life? Success in the way God defines the world success, not the way the world defines it. How do we do that? And I think that's answered for us right here in, the, in a two-part answer. We minimize the detours by, first of all, trusting entirely in the Lord, and secondly, by trusting continually in the Lord. And that's why we're going to look at this passage today. First of all, we, we are to trust entirely in the Lord. Now, we look down here at verse 5, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, the word Lord there, if you notice in your Bible, is, is in all caps. It's in all capitals. And it tells us who we are to trust in. Now, this, this is the word for the covenant-keeping God. This is the word in the, in the Hebrew, original Hebrew, that we, uh, you've heard the word Yahweh before, or Yahweh, however it's pronounced. <clears throat> and this is not the only word for God in the Bible. In the Old Testament, there are a number of words for God. This is the word that the Holy Spirit wanted Solomon to use in this verse. But it reminds us who we're trusting in. It reminds us that we're trusting in the covenant-keeping God. We're, we're trusting in the God who keeps his promises. We're trusting in the same God who made those promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the Old Testament long ago that I will be your God and you will be my people. We're trusting in the God who says, uh, he inspired David to write, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. As we read a few minutes ago. We're trusting in the God who loves us with an everlasting love, who loved us from before the foundation of the world, as Ephesians put it. We're trusting in the God who adopted us and made us our, his children. And he said, I'm going to be your father. We're trusting in the God who sent his only son to die for you and redeem you and make you his own. You see we have to trust in the person. Before we're going to trust in his word. And the person here. Is of course. The, the, the God that is, exists in three persons. Our father. The son and the Holy Spirit. That's, that's who we're trusting in. Here. And. We are, this, this, is, this is a God, it's the only God, but this is a God that we can trust in wholly is the point because that's who this is. We really have no idea of the depths of God's love for us. We get the idea from the, from the scriptures, 
but we really don't we really don't have a full grasp of the depth of God's love for us. And that's a blessed, glorious thing. That's who we are to trust in. And we are to trust in him entirely. And this is a God who is worthy of being trusted entirely in. And that's why he says here that we are to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. And so when the Bible speaks of hearts, of course it's speaking of the most deep, innermost sense of the person. The, the uh, most, uh, uh, the deepest part of us to trust in God. And God wants all of us. He wants total reliance on him. That's what he wants. And he is a God that we can trust like this and should and we're called to here. Think of, think of, think back when, when you were a child, or for you children uh, who are children now. Can you think of someone, you adults out there, who you trusted in, in completely when you were a child? Uh, maybe it was a mother, maybe it was a father, maybe it was a grandmother or a grandfather. Uh, for me, I remember trusting in my father like this. I remember as a child when I would be riding in the truck with my dad and it really didn't matter if the whole world fell apart all around us. If I was sitting in that truck with my dad, it was good. It was safe. It was all going to be fine. Who was it for you? Might have been multiple people for you. And you see, the Bible teaches us in Matthew 18, Jesus teaches us, Assuredly I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. We're taught here that we are to trust in God the way little children trust in their parents, fully and completely. That's the way we are to trust in the Lord. Yet when we grow up, we often lose this childlike faith, don't we? We don't necessarily have faith in our Heavenly Father to the full extent that we might have had faith in our earthly father or our earthly grandfather or, or mother or grandmothers as we were a child. And that really brings us to the next point. Why do we not maintain that childlike faith because after Solomon tells us what to do here, he tells us what not to do. He tells us here in the second part of verse 5 that we are to lean not on our own understandings. We are not to rely on our own understandings. And that's very often what we do, what we move towards when we grow up to become adults. And the question is, is why can't we rely on our own understanding? Why is that? And at least not entirely rely on our own understanding. And the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can, who can know it? You see, our, our understanding is, is tainted with sin. I talked about Adam and Eve a few minutes ago. And, of course, when Adam and Eve sinned, the fall occurred and every human being that would be born except for Jesus after Adam and Eve 
would have their minds darkened with with the understanding because of sin. And we have this this, this set of rose-colored glasses on, even though we may not realize it. You remember that uh, John Conley, old John Conley country music song, Rose-Colored Glasses? And John Conley said, I, of course, he's talking about a woman here, but he says, I don't know why I keep on believing you need me when you've proved so many times that it ain't true, and I can't find one good reason for staying. Maybe by leaving, my leaving would be the best for you. But these rose-colored glasses that I'm looking through show only the beauty because they hide all the truth. If you remember that song. And what we have on is a a pair of rose-colored glasses that we're not going to ever be able to get off our faces until we get to heaven. Because we... We have our minds and our understandings altered by sin. Now this would go against what we want and what modern culture tells us to do. The modern culture will tell you, no, you should rely on your own understanding. Uh, You are to be independent. You you are to be, I mean, who's going to respect a man or a woman who has to rely on other people? I mean, aren't, aren't men and women supposed to be independent? Aren't we supposed to stand on our own two feet? Aren't we supposed to be self-made men? To pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps? Well, we certainly are to be hardworking people. We certainly are to be uh, independent in a way that would please God. But, but when we get to the point where we are relying on our own understanding to the point where we're not trusting wholly in the Lord, first and foremost, there's, there's where we go off the rails. We are thinking people. God gave us brains, and we are to use our brains, and God gives us wisdom when we ask for it. He says that he will give it to us liberally, and we are to use that, but, but we are to trust entirely in, in him so where we were not relying on our own understanding, and I think the, 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 the way to put it maybe most simply would be that we ought to cultivate a healthy distrust of ourselves, not a paranoia, not a power out paralysis of analysis uh, type of a life, but we are to stand back and say, okay, this is here in the Bible. We're taught to trust entirely with all of our hearts into the Lord, and we're also taught to not lean on our own understanding. So I've got to be careful here about thinking that I've got it all figured out. Lord, what would you have me to do? What blind spots am I missing here, potentially? Help me. So we are taught, first of all, to trust entirely in the Lord and to have a healthy distrust of ourselves. But secondly, we're taught to trust continually in the Lord. Trust continually in the Lord. You look here down at verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Notice that word all again. It's a comprehensive call here to acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways, in every facet of life. 
And the word acknowledge literally means to know him, to know him. And in personal knowledge, a personal relationship and knowledge with God is what that word is getting at. And it begins, of course, the, a personal knowledge of God becomes, comes, of course, first of all, with a personal saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, first and foremost. But after we become a Christian, personal knowledge comes from a very close walk with the Lord, doesn't it? It comes, it comes from stepping out in faith seven days a week, doesn't it? I'm reminded of, of Hebrews chapter 11 where it speaks of Abraham and it says, by, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And of course, that verse is speaking of Genesis chapter 12 when Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. He was called out of uh, what is now Iraq, and he was called in his old age to go to the promised land. And he didn't know where he was going. And he had to just literally step out in faith and walk and ride an animal in faith. And it's when we walk in faith, when we can't really see necessarily where we're going, but we are walking in faith, there's where we are growing in our knowledge of God, isn't it? And some of you are, are a lot older than me and have been doing this a lot older than me, and I, <clears throat> I could learn some lessons from, from you if you would sit down and, and talk to me about your life and your walk with faith. And I, for, for, I completely realize that. But we're talking about here stepping out in faith on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. I think a good illustration of this is uh, I remember a number of years ago I was I was in I believe it was Charlotte downtown Charlotte which is a place I don't like to go very often <clears throat> downtown big cities but I remember being downtown Charlotte and there was a uh, a lady that was blind and she was standing on the edge of this busy street and she pressed the uh, the uh, button there to cross the street she she would be able to feel the button across the street. But she had a seeing eye dog. She had a seeing eye dog. And, and I'm thinking, this is going to be interesting because we're going to see where the seeing eye dog is going to earn his keep or not right here because she's going to cross this busy street right here in downtown. And, you know, the, the, uh, the light turned red, and sure enough, the dog knew to go. And the dog led the woman across the busy street. And she was holding on to the dog, of course, obviously, the way, you, the way you've seen blind people do. And she, was, she could feel every step of that dog. She could feel uh, the pace of that dog. She could feel the demeanor of that dog. And, you know, she confidently, she confidently walked blindly in her own eyes, but, but with complete confidence in that dog, she crossed that street. And it was a really neat thing to see. The blind person's life depended on the dog. And the blind person knew fully and soberly and consciously 
that they couldn't see, but yet they knew that the dog could see it all. So they trusted the dog. We only have partial sight as we navigate this world. We only have partial sight. We we know, though, that, that God sees it all, don't we? You see, God is looking down on our entire lives from above. You see, God ordained every day for us in his book before one of them ever came to be, as we read a few minutes ago. Every one of your days, past, present, and future, are already ordained. God already knows the whole picture. All we see is what's going on in the present. And the, the message here, the message here is that in all our ways we are to acknowledge him. In all our ways we are to keep in step with the spirit, as Galatians 5 says. And how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, it, it, it really comes down to, number one, grace. And it comes down to saying, Lord, help me to do that because I just can't do that on my own, but yet I can do it if you'll help me. I can do all things through you who strengthen me. It comes down to, to grace, first and foremost, and it comes down to day, a daily conscious walk with the Lord, doesn't it? When Jesus says, abide with me, that's what he meant. He meant, he meant literally a conscious walk with the Lord throughout every single day, Monday through Saturday, uh, Monday through Sunday. And what is the result of this entire and continual trust in the Lord? That takes us to the last part of verse 6 here. The result is this, and that he shall direct your paths. Or the ESV and the NIV have it, he shall make straight your paths. Now, we need to notice here that the Lord is the one that's doing the, the, the directing and the making straight of the paths. It's not, it's not us. But notice that it says, and he shall or he will make straight your paths or direct your paths. It's a sure thing. It's not a he might do it. He will do it. He will do it. It's a promise. And the idea here is the success of an undertaking the way God defines success now, not the way the world defines success. Because the definition of success in God's, in God's eyes is, is walking by faith, the picture of the woman walking with the seeing-eyed dog. That's, that's God's definition of success, is walking by faith, pure and simple. Complete reliance on him. You might have heard of the Portuguese proverb, God writes straight with crooked lines. God writes straight with crooked lines. Have you ever seen one of those uh, penciled drawings, one of those drawings that are done by pencil, an artist does it in pencil, and it's a bunch of lines. And when you're looking at the drawing up close, it just looks like a bunch of crooked lines. But when you get back maybe 10 or 15, 20 feet from the drawing, what you see is a beautiful picture. You see a beautiful drawing. And we're all going to have crooked paths in life when we, when we view them from day to day and week to week and from month to month, aren't we? But God takes those crooked paths we often make through our mistakes and, and makes them straight over time. 
That's what he says here. He'll make straight your paths. It reminds us of Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who were called according to his purpose. And we use that verse sometimes in too much of a sense of being a cliche. It's not a cliche. It's a, it's a promise. It's a promise to you. It's a promise to me. How many times have you looked back at your life and you think of an event that happened long ago that was very difficult and you didn't understand it at the time, but you get a ways down the road and you get some distance between you and that event and you look back and you say, I see God in that. I see God working that out. Never could have seen it in the thick of it. But now that we've gotten down the road a little bit, yeah, God was doing something there. You see, the, 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 the key is to, to, to do that in the middle of it all when you're in the thick of something and to say, you know, I don't understand now. But one day, it might even be in heaven, I will understand now we see in a, through a glass darkly. Then I will see clearly face to face to the Lord. I will understand one day. And God was doing something through it all. You see, this is what helped the Apostle Paul when he was in a bad way. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 when he was in prison and he went and he stood before the governing authorities there in Rome. And he says in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 16, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. Whatever Christians that were around him scattered and left him high and dry. How hard would that have been to be the Apostle Paul and be left high and dry by the Christians that he depended on when he was there in house arrest in Rome? May it not be charged against them, he says. Listen to what he says in verse 17. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. He's looking at, he's looking at this situation from the rearview mirror, okay? But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. You can't see the end of God's work in a particular situation when you're in the thick of it. But what we can do is we can look at his promises in his word and we can look at and learn from people like Paul and to say, you know, God is doing something here, and he's doing something for my good. I just don't see it just yet, but I believe it. He will make straight my paths, but, but see, the other translation is, is he will direct our paths. He will direct our paths. And the fact of the matter is we need guidance. We need direction on a daily basis, don't we? We have decisions to make, and the promise here is if we will walk closely with the Lord, he will help us make, he will make guide us to make decisions. 
Those that, listen to what Matthew Henry says, those that faithfully follow the pillar of cloud and fire shall find that though it may lead them about, it leads them the right way and will bring them to Canaan at last. And he's drawing on the illustration of the Israelites in the desert, 40 years of wandering like this. Where in the world are we going? What in the world are we doing? And at the end, God led them to the promised land. There were just a lot of twists and turns in the meantime, right? But he did direct their paths. Do you, do you understand that your, your paths are being directed even now? Do you understand that you're standing, as Tim Keller once said, you're literally standing in the current of God's direction if we can just hear his voice? A man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps. Solomon writes a little bit later here in Proverbs. He's guiding. He's directing. We just don't necessarily see the big picture, do we? And so there's where faith comes in. He does promise right here, that he will direct your paths and will make straight your paths. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give him all things? Romans eight thirty-two. God, may God help us to trust in him more and more every day with all of our hearts and lean less and less on our own understandings, our own insight. May he help us to acknowledge him, to know him, to abide in him throughout the day as we're doing our work, that even in the middle of our work that we are literally connected to him like the woman with the seeing eye dog. And may we trust that he will make straight and direct our paths because he promises that he will. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this promise here in your word. It is hard to do, Lord. But you don't, you don't call us to do anything without giving us the grace to do it. And I pray that you would. I pray that you would help us Increase our faith, help our unbelief, help us to realize that you are a God that is trustworthy to this degree, and not only that, you are a God who helps us to trust. We ask that you would. Lord, don't let us be those who would be thoughtless, but yet don't let us be those that would rely on our own understanding to the point where we would impede on our trust in you with all of our hearts. Give us the wise balance that you have in mind there. Help us to acknowledge you in all our ways, to abide in you every day, realizing that you love us more than we ever could realize and that you're directing us and taking care of us more than we ever realize. Help us, Lord, to live out the Christian life by faith the way you've called us to in this passage and to be blessed by doing so. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Our hymn of response today will be number 533, verses 1, 2, and 4. Please stand.